Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal Achievers, welcome to another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your friend, Hal Elrod, and I am about to bring my friend on here in a minute. Uh, Today, it really is my pleasure to introduce to you someone who, well, first and foremost, I will say, actually, this is not first and foremost, this is second and second most or whatever the word is. But um, he's someone who really figured out how to build wealth and become even a millionaire at, at a relatively young age. And he's someone that I've looked up to uh, as a, f- a close friend of mine, one of my best friends in the world. I'll tell you more about that in a second. But financially, he was always ahead of the rest of our peer group on the journey up. In his 20s, he was earning more than us. In his 30s, he was you know, just he was always the leader in that front. And so as somebody who really figured out the financial game at a young age, figured out how to build wealth at a young age and keep his wealth and keep it growing. I'm going to ask him to share with you not only how he did it, but the advice and the steps that he can give to you so that you can do the same. Now, I mentioned he also happens to be one of my best friends in the entire world, Matthew Recor or Maddie as I call him. But uh, we met in 1999. I was uh, opening up a Cutco office in Sacramento, California, and he was roommates with the other Cutco manager in Sacramento. And I, he happened to come home to this, you know, an apartment. I was staying the night on the couch, and uh, he and I just stayed up till like three o'clock in the morning talking. We'd never met before, and it was just like one of those instant bromances, I think, as they call it. Mm-hmm. We just totally hit it off talking till three in the morning. Then he actually became my, even though he had a great job, he didn't need an extra income, but just to support me, he became my assistant manager and helped me run my office that summer. Matt was there when I was in my car accident. He was in the hospital by my side uh, as much as anybody else, as much as my family was. He was there loving me and supporting me. And uh, Matt was in my wedding. Uh, then I went on to marry Matt and his wife. He, uh, let's see what else. Um, recently, when I had my cancer diagnosis, Matt and his wife Priya flew out and they were by my bedside uh, once again. So he spent a lot of time with me uh, in the hospital. And uh, one of our shared passions is the UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship. And uh, when I got to go to Madison Square Garden uh, here uh, a few months back for the UFC event for my Front Row Foundation experience, I got to choose a very small number of friends and family to go with me. And uh, of course, Matt was one of those friends because uh, we go to UFC events. Uh, you know, That's like our, our thing, our passion. So, and, and here's the reason I'm bringing him on today is one goal that I think almost everybody has is around earning money or specifically financial freedom, right? How do you get to a place where you earn enough money to have freedom where you're not living paycheck to paycheck and you have uh, the freedom to live the lifestyle that you want? You can, you know, cliche, you could call it the life of your dreams. But Matt's done that, like I said, at a very high level and he did it very young and he's very smart about it. He's very intentional about it. I am much less intentional about it. (laughs) I'm much more by the seat of my pants, keep moving forward, make a bunch of mistakes and figure it out. And he's much more intelligent in his approach to building wealth. So uh, it is my honor and my pleasure to introduce you to Matthew J. Recor, or as I call him, Maddie. You there, buddy? Yes. What's up, yo, pal? What's up? That, isn't that that's how like every one of our conversations starts? I yell, Maddie. <laughs> Everyone, and then you come every back with yo, call. pal. 
yeah. it's funny, man. Yeah, I I was a DJ on the radio. If I think if everybody listening, most of them probably know, but my nickname was Yo Pal Hal, and it just stuck. And you're like, you know, my closest friends, you being probably the primary friend. You know, you call me Yo Pal more than you call me Hal or anything else, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, man, we, dude, this is this is an honor. Just I'm, I'm just I'm I'm fired up just to have you here. I love spinning. We were just talking yeah, before likewise. we started recording. I love spending time with you. I'm probably going to join a mastermind that you're in. I said I just want to have another excuse for us to hang out more. So, you know, we really have a, a deep love for each other and we've shared a lot of memories, a lot of history. In fact, what is, do you have a favorite? Like what, in, anything come to mind uh, as, as a favorite memory of ours? Wow. There's so many. There's so, so many. Probably can't narrow it down to just one. Uh, right, I'll give you two. You can do two. Two, two. <laughs> okay. Well, one of them is combined into one. I, I'll combine the first into one. It's the hospital both times after your accident, as well as when you were starting chemo. Just the attitude that you had both times, just super playful, positive, focused on having fun. And literally, you were bringing up the room, bringing up the room next to you, bringing up the nurses, <laughs> bringing up the doctors that were coming in on both occasions. And the challenges that you were facing at that time, both times, the first time, you weren't sure if you're going to be able to walk again. The doctors were saying that it might not be possible because of your, your uh, femur injury and hip injuries and your, um, um, your pelvis injuries. And then the second time you were facing having poison put in your body. Actually, it was starting right then and you were, having, you were starting on chemo and, and the challenges that were to come from that and just how positive and uplifting you were and, uh, playful it was just, was just so much fun to be a part of. And so that's always going to be a memory of mine. I appreciate and that. Then, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, those are special times, even though those are really challenging times. We had a lot of fun then. And then I think one of the other memories was you always had this dream to put on your first event. Like, I want to put on an event. And uh, just one day, one day I'm going to put on an event. And then uh, you just decided you put it on the calendar one, uh, one time. I think it was probably like around April or, or May one year. Remember, we were talking on the phone. You're like, I, I'm, I'm putting on the calendar and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run an event. At the end of the year, and then I was there with you at the at the event, and literally the the entire time, it's like you had tears of joy running down your face as, uh, as the as the event was going on. You're just like, yeah, this is, oh my gosh, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. So yeah, yeah, man. Oh, memories. dude, I'm, I'm glad I asked you that question. Those are beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, I'm all, I'm getting all choked up for both. But uh, yeah, that was yeah, our first best year ever blueprint, and that was. Uh, yeah, man. I, I rented a room. I did not know how to fill an event. I, you know, I just, I was like, but I had put it off for, you know, and that there's, there's a little bonus lesson for everybody, right? Is those things you've been putting off, put them in the calendar, make an announcement, right? That's what I did is I just was like, I don't know how to sell an event. I don't know how to put on, I don't know how to do any of it, but I like put in a date and then I announced it in the Miracle Morning Facebook group. I just said, Hey, everybody, mark your calendar. San Diego, I picked the location, the, the city, not the actual hotel. I said, San Diego, California, this weekend, December, but you know, our first ever live event as a community, we're coming together. And, um, yeah, man. And then, and then when you do that, right, you force the commitment, then you got to figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. You got to figure it out. And, uh, and now gosh, this year, December 7th through 9th, 2018 will be our fourth, I think fourth or fifth, fifth, fourth, I don't know. One of those. Yeah, nice. Man. And you've got you came, dude. It was it was cool. You came and uh and you brought you brought your wife Priya and you know, yeah, that was uh it was all fantastic. Nice. Beautiful, man. Thanks for nice. sharing those. I appreciate that. You're welcome. What's your favorite memory of ours? Ah, yeah, again, there's so many. Uh it's funny, my mind, whenever I think of you, like UFC is our shared passion that we get all fired up on. Mm-hmm. So like my mind goes there. But 
honestly, I think, you know, there are two really meaningful moments in your life that I got to share. And one was marrying you and Priya, right? I was the the reverend. I think that's the right mm-hmm. term. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. dude, and I don't think, you know, I mean, I couldn't tell you because you were dealing with your own nerves, but I was so nervous. Like I was so <laughs> nervous, you know, given because it's like it needed to be word for word. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I had, you know, and so I, oh, man, I was so nervous, but it was just, it was just special to, to be just to stand in the front, you know, like right in the front mm-hmm. and, and look out at all your friends and family and share that moment with you guys and be a part of that moment was, was special. And you um, did so great too. You uh, just took it all and you took on, there was so many aspects to it and you just, uh, you, you, you did them all. You were, you were incredible. Yeah. You know, we had a lot of different, it. your wife's culture. There's a lot of different traditions. We were lighting fires and candles and stuff uh-huh. <laughs> doing yeah. so many different yeah. things. Yeah. And then the other is kind of, you know, somewhat related, which is uh, just recently when I met your twin girls for the first time. And I think mm-hmm. that was so meaningful for me because as I love you so much and uh, when I got to have kids, right. you know, and I think we I'm like, Matt, get Priya pregnant, like have kids. <laughs> Trust me, it's going to change your life. You're going to like, you know, like, oh, and I just, I was so excited for, for what I knew that experience would do for you in terms of mm-hmm. just your growth and your fulfillment. And, and I knew you'd be such a great dad, you know? And yeah. And so it was like when, you know, when I finally heard you were pregnant, you know, or Priya was pregnant, I was so excited. And then, and then when I got to actually meet you and just see you with the girls and be like, Oh, Maddie's, you know, watching you enjoy fatherhood was, was special, man. Yeah. Nice. Well, thanks for encouraging that. I didn't, I didn't need the encouragement <laughs> that way, but thank you. But it, it was, uh, it, it was, and it has been very special, yeah. um, a double blessing for us. And, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, so and, a, and a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, right. I always, I always say that I, I always said, I'm like, yes. Oh man, you're having twins. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've learned that one plus one does not equal two. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> that's true. It's, it's kind of, if we relate it to your financial, uh, it's like, like compound interest or something like that, right? <laughs> there's some, yes. sort, of, there's some yes. sort of correlation there. Reverse compounding. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk about compounding and the power of it. Yeah. Right on. Well, yeah. That, yeah, let's, so let's dive in. I mean, the topic today, it's fun to reminisce with you, man, but the topic today yeah. is, is really around financial freedom. And I think that, you know, I haven't thought of the pop or the title of the call today or the, the, the podcast or conversation, but I think it'll be probably around financial freedom or building, you know, building wealth with real estate or something along those lines. But let's just start with a really overarching question, which is how, how would you say, how did you become financially free? Wow. You know, I think I've always just wanted it. I've always just wanted it. And I think I just decided to be, I didn't take the traditional route and go to college and things like that. So I really took the path of self-educating via books and tapes and seminars. And I went to work on myself and decided to learn everything that I could to help me get to financial freedom. And I had a job at the time working as an engineer and I actually hate it. I literally hate it working for someone else. Hmm. And I always wanted to... That, that was with Cisco? That was with Cisco Systems. Yeah. Got it. Okay. yeah. And while it was a, a, a good paying job, I, I knew there was, there was more for me. And I knew that um, I just wanted to be more in charge of my own destiny, especially as I saw the industry go, go through some shifts and some changes and saw some friends and colleagues of mine be on the short end of the stick of those changes. And um, I had to deal with a lot myself in that way too. And so I, I didn't want to rely on someone else as I got into my 30s and 40s. And I wanted to begin to plan to, um, to be more in control of my destiny. So what were you, or, car, don't mind me asking, what yeah, sure. age were you when you started at Cisco? And, and then when you left Cisco, what was your annual salary? Uh, I was, I was the youngest engineer at Cisco, youngest sales engineer. I was 21 years old when I got the job. Oh, wow. There. 
Yeah, yeah. And your colleagues and, were like uh, in your thirties, forties, fifties, right? Yes, yes, yeah. 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 You're like the and Doogie Hauser of Cisco. <laughs> I, I was at the time. I was, and uh, they actually called me Embryo was my nickname <laughs> nice. in, in the in the company because I was like a little baby. I mean, younger than a baby to them. So yeah, my, wait, what was I your annual was, salary? My my annual salary was 100k base and like a 40k bonus. So at the age of 21, I was making 140 a year. And, uh, so it was definitely, a, it could have been a comfortable life for sure, yeah. but it did, it just, I think at the time it just, I knew there was more, I knew there was more that was possible and I didn't, didn't like to rely on somebody else, I guess, to, to create it, especially when there was a recession that hit. And I saw how, when the recession hit, how literally everything changed, like mm. what you thought was stable wasn't, yeah. and that can happen in any industry. You know, some law can come along, some, some change can happen and everything can be turned around. So I didn't, I didn't want that for myself in my thirties and forties. And luckily I was 21 and I can, I can plan ahead to not have that be the case for me. And luckily, so I got, I got hit with twins this year (laughs) and, uh, my wife and I did. And luckily I'd saved over these years to be able to, uh, make things easier on us Yeah. so that, so that we weren't struggling as much. And I had a business that was sort of on autopilot and I can step away and, and I can also provide the help that my wife needs to be able to, and for us to be able to provide the level of care we want to provide. So getting to financial freedom really helped in that way too. And so many other ways too. Well, yeah. And let me, let me just highlight that for, for everybody listening that, you know, Matt was one, you're 21 and you're earning yeah. roughly $140,000 a year, which is a phenomenal salary for anybody. Yeah. But yeah. you saw that you still would be a you know you'd be a slave to your job and and you wouldn't you didn't you couldn't scale that you couldn't grow that right mm-hmm. and that you were you were not in control of your destiny so to speak because if Cisco started laying off sales engineers right you as Embryo might be the first one to go right right you know? right, right so I, I, I love that for and for anybody li- listening too I just I was uh, yesterday I was interviewed by Jeff Woods Maddie uh, of uh, the he's runs the one the company the one thing which is you know based on the book the one thing. Mm-hmm. So he works mm-hmm. with Jay Papasan and Gary Keller, and he uh, he shared a great philosophy from Gary, real simple. But he just said uh, Gary always says that we are only five years away from anything. I'm butchering the quote, but it was something like we're only five years away from anything in our that we want for our lives, like anything. Like within five years, you could become a millionaire. You could go from broke. To, you know, I mean, you could do change anything in five years, and so. For anybody listening, I'd love for them to consider, right? Like, you know, you, whatever age you are, it doesn't matter if you're 21 or 51 or whatever. Look at if you're in a spot where you're going, man, I am, I'm I, like the next five year path on the journey that I'm on now in the job that I'm in. Maybe it's because it's not earning the amount of money you need, or maybe it's because you're not fulfilled in that job, right? And it's not, you're going to be miserable for the next five years. Realize that if you do what Matt did, if you pivot, and we're going to, I mean, I know, Matt, you're going to give specific steps on this today, what to do and how to do it with real estate. But yeah. pivot, right? Literally five years from now, you could be financially free. Think about that. Five years from now, you could be financially free. It might even happen sooner. But uh, yeah. Well, so what, what do you think holds people back from becoming financially free? Because it's a goal that every single one of us has. It's something that everybody wants. Like you said it, you wanted it, mm-hmm. but then you mm-hmm. followed that up with, I decided, right? Like I made a decision and I started educating myself on what I needed to do to become financially free. What do you think prevents most people from getting there? I think the biggest thing, really there's two things, but I think the biggest thing is fear. Fear is what stops Mm. people. Fear is what prevents things from taking place in people's lives and for change to happen. And so 
fear takes on multiple different faces and, and shows up in different ways. So the fear of failing, for example, the fear of leaving that current job or industry, the fear of rejection, maybe not making the calls or making offers on things that could create financial freedom for you, or the fear of changing who you currently define yourself to be. Mm. So a lot of people have an identity for who they are and what they are. And the identity of being financially free or even pursuing that is a huge jump for them. And they just don't, don't see it as, as a, as a huge need to do, to, to go in that route and to do that. So I think they've got to have, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. It's just not a must. I would say it's more of a nice to have, but it's not a must to have right now. So that's the second reason. So it's fear, but then it's also that that it's not a must for people. Yeah. Not a must. Like they'd rather be maybe playing video games or watching Netflix rather than reading a book on building wealth Mm. or thinking about how others are so privileged or lucky or have it easier and use that as an excuse for not doing what is necessary for them to have that or to create that. So for, I think we all have fears, right? We're, uh, we yeah. all have fear of failure. All, all the fears that you listed, fear of failing, fear of rejection, fear of change. I think you said changing your identity or changing who you are. Like mm-hmm. we all have those fears. So would you say the difference is that you just do those things even though you're afraid of them, right? Is that, is that what sets people apart that either let their fears dictate their actions or they just do the things that then overcome the fears? Yeah. Act in despite of fear. Yeah. Act. You know, the key is action. So. Maybe it's not the right action, but taking action, but definitely getting a strategy or getting a coach or someone who's been down the path that you want to go down or is where you are. That definitely can compress the learning time or help you to avoid mistakes as you take action and move in that direction. Gotcha. What about related to creating financial freedom? What about avoiding what causes someone to to go broke or to, to spend, you know, to, to, I guess you could say live above their means to where they never get ahead and they never yeah. create financial freedom. Yeah. Well, I've seen that many times. I think we have some, some shared friends as well that they make enough money to be financially free, mm-hmm. but you know, there's things that get in their way. And I, I love Charlie Munger's quote on this. And Charlie said, there's three things that cause a person to go broke. He's, he said, liquor, leverage, and ladies <laughs> cause a person to go broke. Well, you know, that's, um, it's really direct, but I, I, I translate that to vices, debt, and getting in the habit of impressing others mm. with things you don't necessarily need. So that can also definitely deter or kill the, kill the pat, get, kill the progress towards financial freedom. Vice okay. is debt and impressing that. That makes sense. And that, and those are things that all, you know, I think we have to put ourselves in check and, and, and mm-hmm. be aware. And I think working on ourselves helps that. Like when I used to, before I read a bunch of books on spirituality and enlightenment, I used to be very ego driven and I would, you know, I was trying to impress others, right? That was like a real driver. And I know you were, you, you and I were both that way when we were younger. Sure. When we sure. met, when we met, right? When we were 20 when we met and I think we were both in that, mm-hmm. in that realm. But, but I think working on yourself and, and overcoming that and, and realizing that, you know, there's more to life than, than the car you drive or the house or just more to life than impressing others. I want to ask, I know you have 10 reasons that you believe real estate is one of, if not the best vehicle to build long-term wealth. Before I ask you that, I want to ask you this. Sure. You, when I met you or not when I met you, but when I moved in, actually when I met you, but I think when I moved in with you in 2004, I lived with you. Um, sure. I was renting a room from you. You're, uh, then you were a stock trader. You were up every morning at like four in the morning or six in the morning or whatever. And you were, yeah. and you were day trading and, you know, and you did really well. You, you know, you grew a yeah. lot of wealth that way. 
Why did you switch? Because I think a lot of folks think, well, I can make money in the stock market or maybe in real estate, and maybe they're not sure which is better. Why did you switch from stock trading, which I don't think you do much of anymore, to, to real estate? Mm-hmm. Well, I was doing both at the same time, but my flipping and my real estate business was was uh, very different than it looks like now. Why did I switch? I think I switched because honestly, real estate's easier. In yeah, I remember you ways. saying that you would that it was just so that you were it was such a stressful life because you wake up every it's, day, yep, market goes yep. up, it's a good day. Yep. Market goes down, you're depressed and yep. you're freaking out, right? Yep. Yeah. So the market is is manic depressive. I mean, yeah. it is up and down and Literally, if you allowed yourself to ride those swings, you can become that too. It takes a, a very strong emotional center and principles and really focusing on the fundamentals of a business to be able to be the only person who's, who's able to think rationally when everyone is thinking emotionally about a particular uh, business as, a, as an example and know that that business is a solid business and you, because you've read the annual reports, you know the business. To be able to act despite, you know, in just completely opposite of what everyone else is saying, and so sometimes it takes a long time to be right and and to and to show that over time. So just for my personality and for what for where I wanted to go, and for just results that that happened for me, yeah, investing in real estate just made a lot more sense. And you can understand the timing aspect of real estate as well. There's different ways that you can understand timing and when to get in and when to get out and use that to really, really accelerate your wealth as well within real estate. Got it. So I want to get some tips from you on for somebody listening sure. that's never... And, and I, I want to go into these 10 reasons why real estate first, but then I want to actually ask mm-hmm. you about like what your advice is for someone that's never invested in real estate. I want to ask your advice on where they should start? Is it, you know, what, or, you know, should they just start saving and wait for the next downturn? Like, so if you want to kind of marinate Mm -hmm. on that while you're sharing, but what are, what are the 10, so what are the 10 reasons why real estate you believe is one of, if not the best vehicle to build long-term wealth? Okay. Well, I think the first reason is because you can start learning and investing part-time around your current job or whatever you're doing to earn money right now. And in most cases, your employer will not think it's a conflict of interest uh, to, learn and to explore real estate investing as a business on the side or doing it on the side, whatever you're doing. Whereas if you start an MLM or work in an MLM, or let's say you start another business, uh, I don't know, a car wash business or something like that, they may say, well, you know, that's, that's a conflict of interest. So you can really learn and grow around what you're doing full time. Uh, and I think that's huge because you can take baby steps into it. Hmm. And so the other thing though, is your knowledge is cumulative. So what you learn today, you may not apply for six months or a year. Like as an example, something I learned uh, about buying properties at 0% interest, I didn't apply until 10 years after I learned it mm. for the first time. And so I've since you know, bought like six houses at 0% interest since then. But it took me 10 years from the first time that I learned that concept to really understand the power of it and then to actually apply it. Got it. Okay. And, and then I think a huge, huge reason to invest in real estate is the wealth that can be created through amortization. That word, a lot of people don't know what it means, but it's literally just, it's the wealth that's built from the paying down of the mortgage over time. And this is really powerful because like a low interest loan over a short period of time, like 15 years or a 0% interest loan, the principal pay down is huge. And that acts as a really big savings account 
and a wealth building account for you too. It really explodes your net worth over time. And so the fourth reason too is appreciation. And so demographics really, really impact appreciation and the market that you're in really impact it and the timing and a lot of other things. But appreciation can be huge, especially on the bigger numbers. So if a market goes up by 10% and you own four houses in that neighborhood, those four houses may be worth a million dollars total. That 10% gain is a hundred grand in net worth that, that just, um, that, that just yeah. showed up now with with the with appreciation just based on timing sure. and actually this will probably maybe be answered in the next question i'm gonna ask you about you know what should somebody start doing now to invest or prepare to invest in real estate in terms of appreciation where are the market's at right now if somebody's listening to this you know in 2018 what are your what you know what, what's your prediction what are your thoughts the next crash you predict dude you're a ninja like you called me you it's funny you called me you're like how there's this new neighborhood you should like check out houses and buy a house here it was like 2005 or i think yeah four or five i'm like okay and i went and you're like i just bought a rental here and i went found awesome house bought the house loved it and then you called me like a year year and a half later and you go how you need to sell your house <laughs> and I go, like dude i I, I'm still getting like, what do you mean? I'm not going to sell. I just bought it. I love it. I'm not, I'm not selling it. And you go, the market's going to crash. And uh, you said, I'm selling all my rentals in your neighborhood. And I went, well, and like emotionally, I couldn't do it. Right. Which is, I think, big problem for people. They get emotionally attached to their residence or their, their real estate. And uh, I didn't do it. I didn't take your advice, unfortunately. And, uh, and I had bought at the peak of the market or close to it. I had refinanced the peak. We, we lost in the market crashed. And I had to short sell my house for 50% of what it was worth. At that time, you know, my credit went from like almost 800 to I think about 500. So, being that you are Nostradamus a little bit here, and uh, you predict really well uh, in terms of appreciation, what would you share? In ter- what do you think of the, what the future of the market is? Like, when do you think the next crash is coming? Is it coming in the next six months? In the next year? Two years? What What do you think is going to happen? Generally speaking, well, that's a tough question because there could be a listener right now in Florida, and mm. Florida's market's very different than. Uh, let's say Austin, a different part of California or, or California. Austin sure, sure. or DC is different than Seattle, you know, so all real so estate is local. So yeah. it's going to vary depending on many different factors, but I would say Florida has a, a lot of room to grow because they have a different foreclosure process and they're like what California was in 2012 or 2013. So they've got a lot of room to go up still, but then there's other markets that, you know, they may not have as much room to go up. So all real estate's local. So you got to definitely keep that in mind in your planning process. So I run my business real, really conservatively. I'm in, I'm in a really uh, competitive hot market in Northern California. And, um, I don't think we're maxed out here based upon incomes have grown a lot since 2005 to now 2018. And, and, uh, we're still not at the peak price back in five, but people make substantially more on a median income basis than they did in 05 or 04, not substantially, maybe 20, 20% or so. So we've got some room here and interest rates are lower. So a lot depends on interest rates and where those go. Um, so there's a lot of and factors and it's not, there's, just, a there's, lot there's no, there's no simple answer. Got it. There's no simple answers. It's all local. Yeah. And, um, just the key is to get started though. Well, yeah, and really that's what to I, get started. I interviewed David Osborne the other day or yep. a few weeks ago, you know, and David's a friend of ours and, uh, you know, and that's what he was saying is he's like, yeah, he said, get started. You, you know, you're better mm-hmm. on and, and he said there's there, and this is your, your proof of this, right? He said, there are always deals. You just have to get, you just have to, you know, bear down and, and get, get really start looking. And he said, mm-hmm. there, there are always deals in every city, in every economy, you know, you just have to find the deals, right? So 
That's right. That's a good answer. All right. So, uh, what's the fifth uh, the fifth reason that real estate's uh, the best investment for or best vehicle to build wealth? Something called depreciation. It is a tax benefit and deduction just for owning rental real estate. So uh, it's not an expense that you pay, but it's a credit and a, that, that you get on your taxes. And so it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So uh, depreciation and then instant equity. Every house that I purchase, I walk into instant equity with some fifty thousand, some hundred thousand, some hundred fifty thousand, some much more. You know, some a little bit more than that. So every property. Right off the bat, I'm walking to instant equity. And if you buy right, you definitely can have that. And then cash flow. And you can also intelligently leverage. Uh, and you also can unintelligently leverage too. But that intelligent leverage can create a lot of growth when it comes to appreciation. And then you can put very little down to get in and to yeah. get started. And you can really start small and you can grow bigger and bigger and bigger every year and grow really, really big from starting really small and back to your five-year analogy. In the five years, your life can be radically different than it was five years prior. Yeah. So that's, that's so inspiring. I think for you know, yeah. anybody, if, if you're not where you want to be, it's, you know, and you're feeling hopeless, you're, we're never hopeless, right? It's just a matter of changing your strategy and mm-hmm. learn, learning from people that have come before you. In fact, I know I, I definitely want to mention you wrote a book. We'll get that in a second, but if right now, to give people some advice, what what should if someone's listening and they've again never invested in real estate, what should they start doing right now, either to invest or if they don't have you know if they don't have money saved to to start buying? And I know your book is about buying with zero percent interest. So I mean, there in, or, or you know there may be some strategies obviously there, but what would they do now to prepare? Like for me, when the you know I was always saving for waiting for the next economic crash, saving uh-huh. so that I could invest in real estate when. The economy crash. So would you recommend kind of lean toward, you know, saving a bunch of money for it? Or are there ways now to go get a loan and get a property, you know, in the next month after they've done the research? Great question. <laughs> yeah, so where does somebody, uh, what, what does somebody do to, to either, you know, invest now or prepare to invest in, in the future? I think the first step before you take action is, is knowledge. So you've got to have some, some knowledge. So Amazon, Google, these sources will allow you to get that. There's also some great mentors that offer their services that some, some charge a little bit of money, but you can get started by learning from them. There's, there's a lot and there's a lot of people teaching different strategies online. So try to find someone, if you can vet them and see them out, you know, make sure that they have a ton of integrity. That's the most important thing that you're going to want to, uh, vet through. So anyone that you learn from, make sure that they're a very high integrity person. Uh, and they're actually doing what they say. So I would say get started by learning and then talk, start talking to sellers, start talking to property owners. And that's 99% of my deals have come from a seller, a private seller and negotiating a deal with that seller. Okay. Now you, so you say you learn, yeah. you, step one is learn, which I think that's a great point. Yeah. Right? Don't just try to sure. dive into something. So who have been your influences when it comes to, you know, in case somebody listening wants to go, okay, well, Matt, you've obviously, You've gone before me. You've learned mm-hmm. how to do this business and how to make money and build wealth in real estate. So who have been your influences? Uh, my biggest influence in terms of real estate uh, has been this guy named Bruce Norris out of Southern California. Bruce has become a friend of mine now. And uh, he's he's had a huge impact on me and someone that he's interviewed uh, a few times. A guy by the name of Mike Cantu has had a huge impact on me. And then just in terms of understanding investment philosophy, Warren Buffett and all of his annual letters to shareholders. He, he's, he's had a huge impact on me and going to a few of his meetings. 
And then, uh, of course, Tony Robbins yeah. has had a big impact over the years and lots of different special and inspirational ways. I went to my and first then, Tony event with you in 2000, I think, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Where uh, we met Adele, the world champion of memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's incredible. Another, he's good, incredible. another good memory. So, yeah. All right, and so, then you, Al, you've been a big influence too. I mean, just in terms of a friend. Oh, thanks, brother. Thank you. So you you wrote. So you you have a book. This is your first book, which I'm so proud of you yeah. as, as a fellow author. Um, sure. It's how to purchase real estate at zero percent interest, and the subtitle is to help sellers get what they want and to accumulate paid off houses faster for your retirement. Why did you write this book, and you know what's it going to do for people? I wrote the book because no one was teaching it. Literally, there was nothing out there. I learned the strategy many years ago, and it took me, like I said, about 10 years to apply it. No one was really teaching it. So I was like, well, let me put down the stories of my six 0% interest deals and show that it's not a fake thing, that it can be done. It can be done by anybody. And let me share exactly how I did it. So there's not much fluff in there. There's not much mindset, which is very important, though. Uh, There's not much mindset stuff in there on building wealth. There's really just six different stories of my deals and it gets right into the nitty gritty and why each seller did it. Why, why would a seller sell with 0% interest? It sounds like how I, that's not a smart thing to do, Yeah. but each one of these people were multimillionaires, not, well, not each one, um, uh, almost all of them, all, all, all of them. And they created in them it themselves and it made sense for them for different reasons. And I help them to see how it would make sense, of uh-huh. course, right? Sure, You're not going to get a strategy, call yeah. from, from anyone saying, hey, I'd like to sell my property to you at 0% interest. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Or you're not going to make offers on MLS at 0% interest and get those accepted. But part of what this book will teach you, and this book will teach you, is how I went about doing that with each one of these sellers and how they realized and still realize it was a great thing for them to do. And I'm still you know, on great terms with each one of these sellers. And so it only takes one or two 0% interest deals to really explode your net worth in the five years like we're talking about because every payment goes to principal and there's no interest. So really, really, it explodes your net worth over time. And so I've done six deals now that total over a million dollars in 0% interest loans, all in a very competitive market in Northern California with very high prices and a lot of competition. And each one of these sellers could have sold to anybody else. Um, and uh, taking a cash offer, but they chose my 0% interest offer. And the advantage of that, right, is that you're, like you said, everything is going toward principal. So you're you're building mm-hmm. equity much faster. You're building your net worth. You're not throwing money away, if you will, right, toward, right, right. toward interest. I mean, when I look at, I, I, I was showing my wife the other day our, our mortgage statement, and uh, she's like, <laughs> only that, what? She's like, that's all just going to interest? But why? You know, I'd explain to her how it all... <laughs> not that I could explain yeah. it very well, but I said, sweetie, the more we pay off, the, the more we'll go toward principal. And, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but it's, mm-hmm. it sucks. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. The amortization schedule on a 30-year loan, that's something to really study. And the bank really wins the first 10 years. Yeah. And you'll notice you'll get a lot of refinancing offers after you're 10 to 15 years in to a mortgage because they really want you to get back into a 30-year mortgage because the benefit to the investor, the benefit to the to the homeowner is in the last 20 years or in the last portion of the mortgage in a huge, huge way. That's where the majority goes to principal towards the end. Yeah, for anybody listening, right, amortization, if I correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but it's where you yeah. know, the majority of or a much larger amount goes towards interest, just gets kind of thrown away, if you will, other than the tax deduction that you get. 
um, right. in the beginning. And then it just gradually over time, each payment slightly more goes towards principal, each payment each month. And then, mm-hmm. you know, but, but yeah, you're just in the beginning, you're just giving, you're just paying the bank, you know, it's just, right. Hey, thanks for the loan. Here's a ton of money that I'm just going to pay you and, and a little bit on my house. But, uh, yeah, yep. right on. So yep. what, what is your, uh, your real estate business? What does it look like right now? And, and what, you know, what does, I, I guess this to me is important, which is for our listeners, what is the, what is the lifestyle for you in terms of now that you have twins and you're a super involved mm-hmm. dad, you're up with those girls all night long, right? So, uh, yeah, you're, it's so funny. The first, like the first six months that I, I'm like, how are the, how are the, how are the girls? How's being a dad? And you're just like, I can't, like, you're just exhausted. Like, you know, you're like, I'm not getting any yeah. sleep. I love them, but I can't get any sleep. Oh, anyway. So yes, cause, cause that's why, right. The, the point of doing this, the point of reading Matt's book, the point of investing in real estate isn't to be a real estate investor. It isn't to, right. It is to create financial freedom. It is to create enough income that your income exceeds your expenses. And then you work when you need to work, when you want to work. And it, you know, and it's not where you're having to work. Right. So, right. so what's the real estate business r- look like right now? And what type of lifestyle is that affording you? Wow. That, I think that's been the biggest, the biggest advantage of real estate is the lifestyle. It allows me to work when I want and however much I want, but it happens to be so much fun that I I'm working, I'm working a good amount right now. But yeah, so it's helped me to be able to pay for help, for example, with our girls. And we do have night help still because it's it's tough in the night. Yeah. Each girl woke up, woke up like uh, four times each last night. So Jeez. and they're not at the same time. <laughs> so it, my, my wife is is a gem and she's working our butt off and, yes, yes. and still breastfeeding. And it's she's she's incredible. Uh, so my business right now is uh, I've got a great team and we buy between four and eight houses per month. And one to two of those properties per month are kept as long-term rentals for me. And the other one to two are kept as medium-term rentals. And, uh, you know, usually during that medium term, we're solving a problem with the house or with the tenant. Maybe the tenant hasn't paid in a long time and we're helping out that, that seller to get that tenant out. So we're purchasing the property with the tenant in place and we're going through the eviction for them. It's a family member and they don't want to be the bad guy, but they want us to be the bad guy. So Hmm. we take over that situation for them. And then the other two to four are fixed and resold within about six months. And so there's a cash generation part of the business. And then there's also a long-term wealth generation part of the business that involves holding the seller finance based rentals while those rental loans pay down over time. So I could stop working, but, um, but I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. You're like me. You're, you are workaholics. We enjoy our work, right? So, um, yeah. so I remember you told me a long time ago that you're and it sound, I think you've exceeded this. In fact, I want to get the number of rentals that you have now, but you're, when you first were kind of starting the real estate, uh, investing your, I believe you had said, my goal is to, I think it was to purchase 20 rentals, pay them off over the next you know 10 years, and then have the cash flow from 20 completely paid off rentals, getting rent every month that will yes. support your lifestyle for the rest of your life. And not to mention they'll appreciate and you could sell them off if you need a chunk of cash or whatever. So, uh, so I know that was the goal is that, is that, have you exceeded that goal or is that still the goal? Where are you at now? And the goal is similar to that. Uh, the goal is more rentals though, and definitely having them all paid off. And the key is also a and B neighborhood rentals as well. So I want the, the rental, I want the, the rentals to be in great neighborhoods. Mm. Oh, so a and B. got it. Got it. A, a and B neighborhoods. And, uh, be positioned for long-term appreciation. So that's the goal. And, uh, 
Yeah, many paid off houses. My goal so, is that you buy a house in Austin, Texas and live half the year. That's my goal. <laughs> that's my goal too. One day I would love to live close to you. That'd be, that'd be beautiful. I know. It's, our lives are perfect. Uh, we've got our families, we've got our babies, except for we are too far away from each other. That's the only thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, awesome, man. Well, I'm excited. So, so the book, everybody listening, it is How to Purchase Real Estate at 0% to help sellers get what they want and to accumulate paid off houses faster for your retirement. If you want to build wealth, if you, you know, if you want to have your financial future five years from now be radically different than it is now or, or radically better, right? Maybe it's already great, but you want it, to, you want to be financially free. Um, Matt has done it. He's done it consistently for, you know, gosh, I've known you for 19 years now and you've, you've been doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and growing and learning and contributing. And, uh, you know, one thing I forgot to mention, by the way, um, I sh- this is probably in the memory bank, but is, uh, that, that Matt, you know, you lead, Matt leads the, um, uh, basket brigade every year where we for years and how many years have you done the basket brigade oh many many years i think now Over a decade, probably? about about uh eight, 17, 18 years now oh my god yeah. so yeah so yeah. we deliver yeah. turkeys uh in sacramento uh to uh poor families or lower income families and we just surprise them at the door with a full thanksgiving meal and we meet in the morning at the safeway and matt and his team of people of friends that he recruits to to support and we all go in and we buy a bunch of Thanksgiving meals and then we go around and, uh, and give back. And I know that was Tony Robbins inspired, right? That's something that he Yes. Has. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah man. You're, yeah. You're yeah, a good man, great. Matt Recor. You are too, Hal. I love you so much. And I, um, my phone's about to die. It's on 1%. <laughs> <It's some> poor <laughs> planning on my part. Hey, that's per- perfect you, timing. Hal. Perfect timing. Perfect we just wrapped timing. up. Um, yeah. Well, I goal, love you. Thank you, brother. Well, Goal Achievers, thank you for tuning in. If you want to meet me in person and spend some time together, I'd love to spend a few days with you. Go to bestyeareverlive.com. As Matt mentioned, one of his favorite memories that was cool for him to share was our first ever Best Year Ever Blueprint where tears were running. I was just crying. I was like in the back of the room, just mm-hmm. choking up because uh, it was yeah, it was a long time coming. And, and they, I mean, yeah, they, every year they just get better and better and better. And uh, you know, John Berghoff helps you make that happen. But um, yeah, yes. well... All right, brother. I love you. We got to go to UFC event too, soon. Huh? And Goal yes, Achievers, to it. thank you for tuning in. Check out Matt's book on Amazon. And uh, I love you. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 